Count the stars, one and all. Knows how much sand is on the shore. And sees every sparrow that falls. He made the mountains and the seas. He's in control of everything. Of all creatures, great and small. And he knows my name. Step that I take, every move that I make, every tear that I cry, and He knows my name when I'm overwhelmed by the pain, can't see the light of day. I know I'll be just fine, cause He knows my name. tomorrow may bring I can't tell you what's in store I don't know a lot of things I don't have all the answers to the questions of life but I know in whom I have believed and he knows my name every step that I And he knows my name when I'm overwhelmed by the pain. Can't see the light of day. I know I'll be just fine. Cause he knows my name. He knew who I was when he carried my cross. step that I take, every move that I make, every tear that I cry, and He knows my name when I'm overwhelmed by the pain, can't see the light of day, I know I'll be just fine, cause He knows my name. Step that I take, every move that I make, every tear that I cry. And He knows my name when I'm overwhelmed by the pain, can't see the light of day. I know I'll be just fine. He knows my name, every step that I take, every move that I make, every tear that I cry, He knows my name. Right. I'm going um, to thank you, 
Jeremy and Bell and Hannah. And Amen. I've been meaning to say this, but uh, you know what? I'm amazed how much Hannah has improved. Uh, Amen. Uh, she is just really growing in that piano plan. She really is. Uh, just the dynamics of it, everything. She is just really growing in that since I've been here. That's just amazing. Um, all right. I'm going to read just a passage of Scripture to you that we want to look at. You can go to 2 Timothy chapter 2 first. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 is the first place that we'll take a look. Uh, and Dad, I told you different, so just hold your place, Dad. I'm going to go to First uh, Chronicles chapter 11 here right after this. But so you, you go to Second to Timothy chapter 2, and then go to First Chronicles chapter 11. Kind of hold your place in both uh, your spot there, and then I'll I'm going to be, just begin to read these. I'm going to have other verses that I'll turn to. But as we're moving there and getting there, I just want to just mention, you know, we're today, you know, this is the day that we picked. This is really not Veterans Day today, of course. It's a little past, but it's the day we're honoring Veterans Day it's, uh, uh, here at our church. And today we try to do just a tiny bit to honor the, the soldiers, the veterans, the military men and women that served our nation. And all who served our nation are, are great people in my eyes. The fact that they were willing. That we love them, we thank the Lord for them and for their service to our nation. But as I was preparing this, I thought, you know, we also must realize that we as Christians are also soldiers. We're all soldiers. Second Timothy chapter two, verse three and four says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warth entangleth himself with affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Uh, he, God has chosen us to be a soldier for him. God has chosen us to be in so-called his, his military. And, uh, and, and the truth is we need to be, to be strong. We need to be strong in the battle that we face in this world that we live in today. Uh, and the way that we do that, it says that no man warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. That's, again, what I was preaching this morning. You just don't get caught up in all the world and all that's going on in the world because we've got a war, we've got a fight already. And it's a spiritual warfare. The danger that we face, though, is that, if, that we may be soldiers in uniform, but whether we are good soldiers as we're chosen to be. Because as it said there at the very end, he says that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And he has chosen us to be a soldier, but are we the good soldier that he's chosen us to be? Uh, what we're going to talk about tonight, and I mentioned it this morning, we're going to talk about David's mighty men, and we'll briefly talk about the mighty men, but, but mostly talk about one man who we many just kind of assume was part of, the, of David's mighty man, but is never mentioned. Now, the... Mighty men did mighty acts, but three did something amazing. They simply, they, they did not win a battle. They did not defeat a great multitude or defeat a seemingly unbeatable foe. What they did in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, if you look at 1 Chronicles chapter 11, 15 through 18, it says, now three of the 30 captains which went down to the rock to David into the cave of Abdullam and the host of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Raphim, and David was then in the hold, and the Philistines' garrison was then at Bethlehem. And David longed and said, 
Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem that is at the gate. And the three break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. But David would not drink of it, but poured it out unto the Lord. Now, David lists these three as mighty men. And it doesn't say when they broke through that they killed anybody. It doesn't say that they defeated any army. It doesn't say that they killed a lion-like man. It doesn't say that they did any of that. It says they, these three very simply heard David have a request, and they went and put themselves in danger to get that request fulfilled. And God called them, David called them mighty men, mighty soldiers for David. I'm going to word of prayer and I can start. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, guide my mind, my thoughts, please, Lord. Father, I, I, I ask, please, that I never say anything to hurt anyone, to, but, oh, Lord, only to help someone, to uplift someone, to encourage someone, and forgive me when I do otherwise. And, Lord, I pray, please, Spirit of God, that you guide my mind. Holy Spirit, I yield myself to thee and ask you, please, use me tonight. Cleanse me of everything that might hinder me and fill me in its place with your spirit and your power and your guidance, your truth. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. These are mighty men, that, and 30 are listed in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 20. It says this, it says that Abishai, the brother of Joab, he was chief of the three for lifting up his spear against 300. He slew them and had a name among the three. Now, the reason I read that and read this, pull out Abishai, is because it says Abishai is the brother of Joab. Now, Joab is, is like the general. He's over all, all of David's military. He's over everybody. And so it says here that Abishai is one of David's mighty men. He's one of David's mighty men because he slew, uh, you know, he, uh, he lifted up his spear against 300. He slew them and had a name among the three. And so Abishai is mentioned but it, it, clearly, the only time in this list of the David's mighty men that Joab is mentioned, this is it. David is never mentioned, I mean, Joab is never mentioned as one of David's mighty men. Now, when I, when I preach this, I don't want it to be misunderstood. It's not, I'm not preaching this about, uh, about me. I'm preaching this to everybody because it, it's gonna, this message, I believe, applies in a marriage. I believe it applies in a business. I believe it applies in, in, in family realm as a whole. It applies in a lot of different ways. And so it's just a truth that I think we need to know and if you were here the rest of your life, I think it's important that we know it. But, I, but if you go someplace else, it's, it's important that you may know it. And, and so in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 20 says, And Abishai, the brother of Joab, he was chief of the three and lifted up his spear against 300. He slew them and had a name among the three. Joab was the leader of David's army, but he's not listed in David's mighty men. His brother's listed, but he is not. Now, the question is, and what we're going to try to answer tonight, is why is Joab not listed among David's mighty men if he's head of all of them? If he's the leader who's led them all into battle, why is he not mentioned? Now, first, what I'm going to do is go into a little bit of reasoning that some people give. Now, many write about this issue. Most explain it that it was given that the leader of the men would be one of the mighty men. You know, it, a lot of men that just simply say, oh, well, it's just a given. He's one of the mighty men. Uh, David didn't have to mention Joab. He, of course, he would be one of the mighty men. 
Uh, that's one of the reasons that are given. Some even go so far as to give this as a reason why his name's not mentioned. One, uh, I read this, and the, uh, several actually said something like this, uh, going so far as to say that the text is corrupted and mistranslated, even stating that what the translator was thinking and why he read the line wrong while he was translating. Now, it amazes me how you can say somebody read something wrong when you're not there with them. But they, that's what it was said. Amazing arrogance of the intellectual to state as fact what he cannot know, because, but because he believes it. And since he believes it, then obviously it must be true, for his mind is above the power of God to preserve the word of God. The intellectual somehow believes that he's right because he's so intelligent he believes it. The way we must read Scripture, listen, is, is by what it says. The way we must believe Scripture is by what it says. If we speculate, we must at least state that we think it may be a possibility, but we cannot know. Now, the Scripture says, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to use the Scripture and kind of look at this. The Scripture says, look at 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 10. Look at 1 Chronicles eleven ten. It says, these also are the chief of the mighty men whom David had, who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom and with all Israel to make him king, according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. Now, look at what it says. These are the chief of the mighty men whom David had. Now, he says, these are the mighty men. This is what he says. These are the mighty men. So the scripture says the clear and simple statement is made that the following are the chief of the mighty men whom David had. He said, I'm going to list them to you. I'm going to write them. These, are gonna, these I'm about to write about, they're the mighty men. It does not say the mighty men who J David and Joab had. It says the mighty men of David. Now, Scripture, number two, Scripture must be taken as fact and as truth whether we understand it or agree with it. It's got, to be under, it's got to be taken as fact and truth whether we understand it or agree with it. Number three, when we see apparent discrepancies, understand that they are not error, but rather we do not fully understand what is being said. Now, classic example is First Chronicles chapter 11, verse 11. In this passage, and this is one of the things that people come up and they'll, they'll, they'll argue, you know, that there's, there's problems in the translation and this is the first place they're going to go to. Uh, they're going to go and they say in First Chronicles 11, 11, it says, This is the number of the mighty men whom David had, Josephine uh, and Hakmanite, the chief of the captains. He lifted up his spear against 300 slain by him at one time. And they compare that to Second Samuel 20, 23, 8. These be the names of the mighty men David, whom David had. The Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains. Notice it said the Hackmanite was the chief among the captains. Here it says that the Tachmanite that sat in the seat was chief among the captains. The same was Adino, the Esnite. He lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. And the first verse said that this Hackmanite, who was chief of the captains, he slew with his spear 300 at one time. So they'll say it's a discrepancy in the numbers, it's a discrepancy in the names. Let me help you. There's never a discrepancy in the Word of God. It may be a discrepancy in our intelligence. Here's what you got. And, 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 and listen, I'm not, I'm not absolutely sure this is the, the, the real, the absolute reason, but, but seemed to, clearly to me this is something that's very possible. Both Hackmanite and Tagmanite, when you define them, 
Both these words uh, have a correlation to, to direct to a family of wisdom. Both these words apply to a family of wisdom. But the uh, Hackmanite is more specific, talking about a family of wisdom, where a Hackmanite is a word for a wise man himself. So one of the verses is saying this man came up from a family of wisdom. The other verse is saying this same man was a man of wisdom. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay. The 300 or 800 is easily understood. Uh, he may have done both. It could have been two separate incidents that we're talking about here. Uh, that would be easily uh, understood. Or it could be this. He, slew, he uh, led men to, sl- to slay 800, and, but he slew 300. Does that make sense? He led them to slay 800. And, you know, if you go... Uh, as they used to say, you know, they they get up and and uh, wrongly do this, but they would say, "Wow, you know, Brother Hooker, your leader of the Salem ministry, man, he had eighty guys come down today, or they had a hundred guys come down today." You know, okay, they're giving me credit for all those guys. I didn't bring them all. The whole ministry brought them, and so. That could easily be it. Number four, understand that God has given us every word of the word of God for a reason and a purpose. So it's all in here for a reason and a purpose. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 is all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished uh, unto all, truly furnished unto all good works. Now, so God says everything that he's given us is for a reason and our problem is, is sometimes we just try to outthink God. We try to make things fit the way we want it to be. Now, let's look at the possible reason God would have had David intentionally leave out the leader of his men. And number one is this. If you, you, you don't have to turn to it because it really would have to read too long of a passage. But in 2 Samuel chapter 2, there's going to be a war. Joab's going to start a war with Abner. There's going to be a battle with Abner. They're, they're going to come together and they, you know, they're going to kind of challenge each other and they're going to put their young men and you know, let them get up and kill each other and then they're going to go to battle. Um, now, so actually the fighting all starts by Joab and Abner's decision. The two leaders. But they're not the leaders. Here's the first evidence I see as to why Joab is not one of the mighty men. There's no mention of authorization for his action from David. There's no mention that David authorized what Joab did. This is the first sign that Joab does not look to leadership, but rather does what he thinks is right. And what this really is, is a sign of lack of respect for the leadership. Crucial issues that will affect the whole family, the whole business, the whole church should always be taken to a man who, to the man who will give account for those actions and decisions. And he didn't do that. He didn't do that. It, it, this, this applies so much in the family, folks. Get this in the, the, we got to, in the family. It applies in business. It applies in life as we go about. We've got to understand crucial issues. Josh is running a store now. Amen. You know, you don't want everybody in that store just making their decision of where to put the pizzas, amen? 
You don't want them deciding how to make them or when to do because who's going to give account of that? Yeah. Now, that, that's the whole thing. There was no evidence that he went to leadership for this. Number two, 2 Samuel. Look at 2 Samuel chapter uh, 3, verse 22 through 27. And forgive me again. Let's just let me just let me do my disclaimer. I'm not doing this because of anything that's going on in here. This is just a truth, something. It's one of those time-release teachings, one of those preventative medicine things, one of those things that helps us along the way. God put it in the Bible, and all things are profitable. And so we've got to teach it all. We've got to teach the whole counsel of God. And it's very important that we teach these type of things. And I just felt on a day when we're going to honor soldiers that we ought to take a look at what made what caused a soldier really not to be as valuable as he could have been? He didn't stop being a soldier, but he wasn't what he could have been. Now look at uh, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 22 through 27. And behold, the servants of David and Joab came from pursuing a troop and brought in a great spoil with them. But Abner was not with David in Hebron. For he had sent him away and was gone in peace. Now, again, you have to understand, and so much we'd have to read, but Abner has come to David and uh, they've kind of, you know, made an agreement, a little bit of a truce here. And so uh, Abner was not with David in Hebron, and for he had sent him away, and he was gone in peace. When Joab and all the host that was with him was come, they told Joab, listen to this now, they told Joab, saying, Abner, the son of Ner, came to the king, and he has sent him away, and he is gone in peace. Then Joab came to the, came to the king and said, What hast thou done? Behold, Abner came unto thee. Why is it that thou hast sent him away? He is quite gone. Thou knowest, Abner, the son of Ner, that he came to deceive thee, to know thy going out and, to know, and thy coming in, and to know all that thou doest. And when Joab was come out from David, he sent messengers after Abner. Look what's happening here. Abner comes in and says, David, you're stupid. You're a fool. You let our enemy get away. Don't you know why he came here? Look at it. And when Joab came out from David, he sent messengers after Abner and brought him again from the well of Sirah. But David knew it not. And when Abner was returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him quietly and smote him there under the fifth rib that he died for the blood of Asahel, his brother. Here's the point we, that I get out of there. Joab not only questions David's decision, but he circumvents that decision and does what he believes is best. It's one thing to disagree with leadership. He not only disagreed with it, he challenged leadership, and then he circumvented leadership. And you have to think. Just think about this thought. Abner had come to David. Abner is leader of the other army. He's coming to make unity with David. If nothing else, if it's just Abner that comes and not the whole army, do you understand David would have been stronger through this uniting? But now that strength that he could have had is vanished away because Joab thinks David is weak and unwise. Number three, 2 Samuel chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. 2 Samuel 14, verses 2 and 3, it says, And Joab sent to Tekoa and fetched thence a wise woman and said unto her, I pray thee, feign thyself to be a mourner and put on now mourning apparel and anoint not thyself with oil, but be as a woman that hath long time mourned for the dead and come to the king and speak on this manner unto him. So Joab put the words in her mouth. 
So what happens here? Joab intentionally deceives David and manipulates a decision out of him. Look what he's doing. He, he circumvents David. He challenges David. He circumvents David. Now he's going to deceive David and manipulate a decision out of it. Again, he tricks David into bringing Absalom home. What would happen if Absalom had never come home? Well, if he never came home, then he would never challenge his father. If he never challenged his father, there'd never be a rebellion. If there's never rebellion, there'd never be a war. There'd never be uh, the death of Absalom. Joab, again, feels that his way is the right way, so much so as he's willing to deceive leadership. Joab, and if you can make application here a little bit to, uh, again, to family, uh, and I'm going to just be real careful here. I make enough people mad as it is. But, but, uh, but please, ladies, I heard a lady one time, I didn't hear it, I, I read it and got furious when I read it. Because, and I can't say it the way she wrote it, but a lady wrote an article uh, saying that, you know, that, that women, you got to understand that you have the ability to manipulate your husband. So just basically take it easy, calm down. You can get your way through manipulation. It was pretty much saying don't argue and fight because you can manipulate him anyway. Be careful. Be very careful. Men by nature don't want to conflict with their wife. We really don't want to. As much as you think we do, we don't want to. We really don't. So you say, well, why do we have conflict? Because it's your fault. And so, no, no, we really don't want a conflict. And, and so it's kind of the Adam and Eve thing. I mean, you know, Adam, just say no, but, you know, no means a conflict. And we, we struggle with that. So please learn this. Learn to look at your husband and say, Whatever you think, don't let, what's that statement you make? Don't let me, don't, don't go against your better judgment. She'll say it to me, so please, Rob, don't go against your better judgment. But you know when she says that? She knows that I sense she wants it to be a certain way. And when she does, just to think she wants it to be a certain way, I start getting pulled. And she'll stop me and say, now, Rob, don't go against your better judgment. Now, the fact is, is that, these things do apply also to the family. But Joab thinks David is without real strength and wisdom needed to lead. That's going to happen. That happens a lot in marriages. You start to think, you know, he's just not strong. And I've had a lot of counseling. Well, he just, not, he just doesn't lead us. And I say to him all the time, will you let him? That's what I said to Amy just. No, I'm mean, to. <laughs> no. You know, the fact is, is that will you let him lead? Joab really is not letting David lead right now. He's manipulating the whole situation. Now, number four, 2 Samuel chapter 18, 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 5. And the king commanded Joab and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man, even with Absalom. 
And all the people heard when the king gave all the captains charge concerning Absalom. All the people heard David say, don't hurt him. We're at war, but don't hurt my son. I know he's leading against me, but don't hurt him. Everybody heard it. Joab violates both a heartfelt request and a command from his leader and murders Absalom. In this case, he makes a direct violation of a command. He was told to do one thing, and he said, no, I'm going to do what I think's best. Number five, 2 Samuel chapter 19, verse 13 and 14. 2 Samuel chapter 19, verse 13 and 14. And say ye to Amasa, well, I'll give you a little bit more. Everybody there? 2 Samuel, or you don't even turn anyway. Okay, all right. 2 Samuel 19, 13 and 14. And say ye to Amasa, art thou not of my bone and of my flesh? God do so to me and more also, if thou be not captain of the host before me continually in the room of Joab. Now it's David speaking. And he bowed the heart of all the men of Judah, even unto the heart of one man, so that they sent this word unto the king, uh, return thou and all thy servants. And he said, and say to Amasa, art thou not bone of my bone? Uh, not of my bone and of my flesh, God do so to me and more also, if thou be not captain of the host before me continually in the room of, of Joab. What's happening here? David was ready to replace Joab because of his lack of loyalty and lack of respect. Joab, again, is serving the king by serving himself as he murdered Amasa and Joab ends up murdering Amasa when Amasa was going to replace Joab. And so Joab murders Amasa. And here's again, if, if Amasa had lived, how much stronger would David have been? But Joab murders him. Joab thinks David is foolish and easily deceived. Number six, 2 Samuel chapter 20, verse 11 says, One of Joab's men stood by him. 2 Samuel 20, 11. I'm moving too fast. 2 Samuel 20, verse 11. And one of Joab's men stood by him and said, He that favoreth Joab and he that is for David, let him go after Joab. Now, I understand this, the, the situation here and all that's going on here, but I still believe the way this is structured and the way this is written, uh, I think it's a great sign of the way, and, and he, the way that this man had pulled people to follow him rather than pulling people to follow the leader. And that's a big difference. I've watched people over the years that drew people to them and drew people to them and drew people to them and then when they got enough strength, they conflicted with the leader. When our, what we're supposed to be doing is drawing people to leadership and ultimately drawing people to God. We're never supposed to be drawing it to ourselves. My goal, my goal is not that people will follow me. You do, you're going to mess up. The kids found out that last night when I almost got in a fight at the football game. Amen. 
My wife says, it follows you, Rob, everywhere you go. It just follows you. But out of a whole stadium, we had to pick where there's going to be three or four guys drinking and saying incredibly bad stuff. So we moved all the girls away from them as far as we could away from them, but they just kept going. Finally, I very kindly asked them to stop some of the words that they're saying. And they said, okay, man, okay. And then about 15 minutes later, bam, 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 here it came again. And one of them started screaming some filthy language at the top of his lungs. And I turned around and screamed at him, hey, shut up. You understand? I don't know why that got him upset, but did. But it did. So uh, we had a, a situation, and uh, but I had two monster men with me. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. That's why my hand is hurting right now. Um, all right. But Joab felt he was the real leader. And the reason for their success, that's what it really comes down to. He just feels like, hey, I've been going to all these battles. I've been leading everybody in these battles. I'm the one that's winning these battles. He doesn't know you don't win the battles. God does it. Okay? And you know who's God's blessing? God's blessing David, and he's blessing you. And, and as soon as you stop serving David, you're going to be in a trouble, boy. And so... Uh, now, 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 5 and 6 says, Moreover, thou knowest also what Joab... Oh, I'm sorry, I moved too fast. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. If you want to turn to it, take your time and turn to it. 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. I always have to look and see if my wife is struggling because she gives me that look like, Rob, you're going too fast. All right. 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. I don't know why it takes you so long. I have it right here. Okay. Moreover, thou knowest also what Joab, the son of Zeruah, did to me. Now, this is a very important passage. This is when we, we really found out that uh, these people that, that think, well, you just uh, know that you know, Joab's there because he's the leader. Of course, he's going to be one of the mighty men. Let's read what David really thinks about Joab. First uh, Kings chapter 2, 5 and 6 says, Moreover, thou knowest also what Joab, the son of Zeruah, did to me. Now, listen to what David's saying. What Joab did to David. Now, if you look back through Scripture, you never find that Joab fought David. You never find that he, that he beat up David, that he attacked David. So what did he do to, to David that David would make this? Moreover, thou knowest also what Joab, the son of Zeruah, did to me. And what he did to the two captains of the host of Israel. Well, we know what he did there. He killed them both. Unto Abner, the son of Ner, and unto Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he slew and shed the blood of war in peace and put the blood of war upon his girdle that was about his loins and in his shoes that were on his feet. Look what he says. Do therefore according to thy wisdom and let not his forehead, that's his gray head, go down to the grave in peace. This is what David thinks of Joab. Notice what David says about Joab. Thou knowest what he did to me. How can intelligent people read the word of God and think that Joab was one of David's mighty men? David, clearly, this is not somebody he's going to list in one of his mighty men. 
This is somebody who's going to say, look, I'm in the sailor ministry. I've had guys that didn't produce a whole lot. But you know what? I would classify them through their faithfulness and through their loyalty and, and their encouragement. They were one of my mighty men. They were one of those really good men that, that helped me to sustain and helped me to carry on for 20 years in that ministry. There were some that were very productive uh, I, I won't mention names, but one's coming to my mind. He is very productive, but he spent two, three years in my ministry doing everything he could to gather men to himself. He tried literally to split my ministry. And you know what? The, 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 the truth is he was productive, but I knew that disloyalty and that type of spirit was going to end in destruction. And he led away probably about six or seven guys to go with him to start a church. And when he got there, they did start a church. And they grew for a couple of years before he went into sin and the thing exploded. And all those guys had to scatter across the nation. How our integrity is so important and how we follow leadership is so vital. How can intelligent people read the word of God and think that David was one of his mighty men? He was a thorn in his side. He was a rebel who was allowed to stay. Listen to this. He was allowed to stay as long as he did because of the mercy and the grace and the patience of David. And I believe also that David, because of his wisdom and discernment, he knew that Joab had been stealing the hearts of his followers and he had to be slow about what he was doing. Now, number eight in this, an example of what truly is a mighty man to God and to David is what he found in 2 Samuel 23, 13 through 17, where we started this all off with. And three of the 30 went down and came to David in the harvest time in the cave of Adullam, and the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Raphim, and David was then in a hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then at Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. They were not, uh, not self-serving men, but sacrificial men. These were not men lusting for power, but men consumed by love for their leader. These were not men who were led by their own will and way, but by the will and way of God. These were not men without loyalty and respect, but men who believed in a man because of his position, not his perfection. These were men who trusted God to lead the man of God, uh, not men who trusted themselves more than the authority of God. These were men yielded to the Spirit of God, which brought them supernatural power and victory, not men who strove in their own strength and power. These were men who trusted God to bring his vengeance in his time, not men who manipulated their own vengeance. David's mighty men trusted David as he followed the Word of God and the leadership of the Spirit of God. The truth is, every business thrives if a Business, church, even a home thrives if its leader leads in joy, 
But that joy is greatly determined by those he leads. Now, if, we, if any of the points that I hit at all are anywhere in our lives, we shouldn't ignore it. We need to deal with it. And that means if it's in our home, if it's in our, our, our work relationship. And, and I, like, I, I, was, I was never a leader, ultimate leader. I was leader of the Salem ministry, but I was still a follower uh, underneath my pastor and underneath people that I worked for at the college. And, and so I understand, both, I understand both ramifications. But I, I know this, that, that uh, it was very, very important that I try with everything in me to take the Salem ministry. I was the ultimate leader in the Salem ministry and given a lot of freedom in that, that ministry. But I still, that ministry was a ministry of the church that my pastor pastored. And, and I had to do everything in my power to try to make sure that my men were pointed toward my preacher and pointed toward God. I had to make sure that the sailors I brought down, as I, that I didn't just win them to me. I, I spent so much trying, time trying to get them to, to love my preacher as much as they loved me. And, and, and I, I, so much time trying to point in that direction. And so I understand that, that and I, I've lived this, it has to happen. Virtually all these principles have a direct correlation to our attitude toward God also. And so Joab's lack of trust in David was a lack of trust ultimately in God. And that's what we have to come to. We have to understand when we struggle with leadership, when we struggle in any area with leadership, we're really struggling with God because God allowed them to be the leader. This even brings us back to this whole election and the whole eight years that we've had, and whether you've liked it or not, that the, the truth is he was still somebody to be prayed for. He was still, pray, and still is at this moment, to be prayed for. And it's still somebody that we need to submit. And you say, Do, in everything? No, l- listen, I submit to leadership in anything and everything until I, it is a, a something that's going to cause me to violate the Scripture. Amen. I will never, I, my, I always have to yield to the higher powers it says powers in Romans. It doesn't say power, the higher powers. That's because there's different levels of power on this planet. And God says, you know what you got to do? Always go to the higher power. Just like we work our way to the Supreme Court. And what the Supreme Court doesn't understand, there's still a higher power because all power that be is of God. And so it's just a lesson it's not a problem. It's not a situation that I'm trying to deal with. Uh, we don't have that here. Uh, it's just something that, that I feel like we have to understand that, that, man, we can be working for God and working for the church and working for our business and, work, and at all the time in reality, if we're not careful, we can be looked at as not as a mighty man, but a man that's something that's got to be dealt with eventually. David finally came to the point where he was just going to remove him. Just, you know what? I just, you've been great, but you just do what you want to do too much. And he was going to remove him. So, I don't know, this is more, I was almost a Wednesday night message, and more of a lesson but the truth is, this is something that, that we really need to just 
let it sink in. I've watched it. I've, I've battled with it. I'll be honest with you. I've had times in my life where I just felt like, okay, I don't understand the direction we're going. I don't understand what we're doing. I don't understand why we're having a Thanksgiving meal and don't even know how many people are coming or how we're going to feed them. I understand that some of those things come up, but, but all I can tell you is, is that God allowed David to say, these are my mighty men. And who were they? Well, the three that impressed me the most that were just some guys that said, I love him enough that if he wants a drink of water, I'll risk my life to do it. I had a young preacher ask me, he said, can you explain to me why after they risked their life to get that water that David would pour it out? Why would he do that? Well, let me help you. David loved them as much as they loved him. They loved him enough to risk their lives to go get it. David wanted to make sure that none of his other boys that he loved would ever try that again. He wanted to let everybody know, fellas, don't you ever do that for me again. Because I don't want the water. I want you. You're more important than that water is. And folks, always remember, if you have the right kind of leader, you're more important than a queen. And I just, so many times I thought, man, that little thing, that's their little spirit. A peacemaker is kind of that royalty with God. God says, that's maybe the most wonderful thing because when you are a peacemaker, he says, everybody knows you're my child. 